All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Creative Mentor Podcast with me, Lauren, your creative mentor. For those of you who are new here, um, we talk about kind of getting rid of the mystery of the creative industry and how to navigate it because... If you were anything like me in art school, nobody told you any of this stuff. They didn't tell you how to find a job. They didn't tell you how much you should be paid. They didn't tell you how a professional will review your portfolio, just kind of what you should put in it. They didn't tell you how to think about getting into the industry and why you might want to do that or how to balance your creativity with being um, a lucrative worker in your capitalistic society. And so today, we're gonna dive into another, I guess, lesson uh, where I tell you all of the shit someone should have told you. So today, we're gonna talk about how to negotiate a raise. And I will say right off of the bat, this is going to be mostly if you're an in-house worker or you work for a company, um, freelancers and contractors can apply some of this because either way, you're going to have to talk to somebody about it uh, because it's about money and asking for more. So um, I'm just going to dive right in because I'm sure if all of you have been working for a little bit or you want to set goals for yourself in your career or checkpoints um, for yourself um, in like what you're currently doing, I think one of my personal biggest mistakes I kind of wish I had paid attention to earlier in my career was just kind of taking what I could get and floating along. And that totally works for some people. But if I had checkpoints for myself, I think I would have had more parts of my life that were happier and working versus surviving and working. And that's what we're trying to avoid. We're just trying to get everybody to be happy, healthy, creatives who are paid well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the goal of today. I have a couple of resources that I will be attaching to, um, the links in the Patreon. Again, if you're new here, uh, all of the information I talk about in this podcast is available on Patreon. Um, if I mention it within the podcast, that is free information. I think a lot of people think Patreon is associated with, um, a price tag and I'm trying to make this accessible for everybody. So um, this Glassdoor resource and this design census I'm going to bring up will all be free there. Go check it out, The Creative Mentor on Patreon. There's some premium content there, but we'll get into that kind of at the end. But all right, asking for a raise, talking about money. People are very touchy about that stuff. And part of it is because we were conditioned to be. And part of it is because it is in companies' best interest most of the time that their workers do not talk about money with each other so that we cannot learn what each other are making. And something I see a lot in like the younger generation, like my generation and, um, you know, younger, so people who are like 30 and less, um, we're a lot more transparent with each other with money than I can recall anybody else Um you know, when I was growing up, my dad was an, a vice president of logistics. He was like the executive in a lot of uh, situations. And the advice he gave me a lot was don't bring up money and don't talk about it. And I can see why it definitely makes people kind of weird. 
uh, in personal and professional settings, but um, especially in light of the pandemic, our current economic situation and our future economic situation, like to be quite frank, we are staring down the barrel of a recession. And when a recession hits, a lot of people are making a lot less and uh, work is a little more scarce and it's a lot more competitive in the job field. I feel like when you hear the word recession a lot and you're younger, you don't really like, all you kind of get is that it's not good, which is true. Like money's on the downs and you want it on the ups. Um, And so I think that makes people very nervous. And especially when it comes to asking for a raise, um, they get weird and nervous about it. So let me kind of walk you through how to think about it and um, what, what to do. Um, So when you're asking for a raise, um, the biggest starting point is to know your worth. And we talked a little bit about that when we were talking about the salary guides earlier in the month. And um, that resource is definitely helpful to be your barometer. And remember, where you live also dictates what that base salary number equates to. And your goal is to get as close to those numbers as possible if you're already farther away from them. Um, So you need to know your worth and you can investigate that a few ways on top of the salary guide. Because to be quite honest, the salary guide is the ideal. That's not always going to be the case. Depending on a lot of things within the company that you work for, the kind of work that you do for that company and where that company's business lies, that's actually going to determine the pool of money available to everybody. And it may not be industry standard. And it is up to you to decide if that's okay with you. Because some people are totally fine with that. And some people are like, that's not good enough. So... I will say that you do have to curb your expectation based on the facts of the environment around you. So that's where like Glassdoor research is helpful because people who work at those companies are giving that information out. Glassdoor is just kind of like the Yelp of working for a company, not as a customer, but as a worker. If you don't know what that is, so check out Glassdoor. It's a pretty good resource. Um, It's also a great place to leave an honest review for workers if um, you had a great experience or a not great experience with the company so that people, when they're interviewing for jobs or researching companies to apply to, they can do their own research. And I think that's also just something as a sidebar that uh, I don't know if companies consider that. Um, People are just as much uh, paying attention to what your company is doing as the company is to... um, sell you the idea of working for them. I think a lot of us were raised with, you should be so lucky to get a creative job and like beggars can't be choosers. That time has come and gone with things like Glassdoor and the internet and this data we can all pull from in this digital world. So I think that's something to keep in mind. You can have um, a standard to hold a company to, just like a company would hold a standard to you to in your skill set. So when you're looking around on Glassdoor, um, that's helpful to keep in mind. And then also another thing you can do is ask the people you work with around you what they make. And that's a really like, I say that very considered because that can be a touchy thing depending who you're talking to. Um, at all of the companies I've ever worked for, when I was seeking a raise or to compare my rate to the people I worked with, 
uh, I would ask people I felt akin to at work who did a lot of the same kind of work that I was doing in the company. And I would ask them without asking them (laughs) how much they made a year or an hour, depending on the scenario. And I would say something like, hey, you know, you don't have to tell me what you actually make, but would you mind telling me the range in which you are paid here? Because I I would like to ask for a raise. And it's very important to me that we get paid for the equally for the work. So I was just curious if you would mind like letting me know, like if you've ever broached that subject here or, you know, what your range is. And if you already have a positive rapport with this person, typically someone who is your level at title, I don't ask people above me what I should be making. (laughs) Um, They're really helpful a lot of the time. They'll tell you straight up a lot of the time. And then you can kind of see who you're sitting next to, kind of the range you should be pulling from. And I'll drop the bomb right off the bat. Um, As a woman in the workforce, it's very, very important to me that I make as much as the men I sit next to who do the same work as me. Because the wage gap is very true in gender identity. And I say gender identity because I'm also including the LGBTQIA plus community because as the design census has shown from 2019, we're still waiting on 2020 numbers, um, that LGBTQIA plus out workers uh, make the least amount of all design workers currently working according to the 2019 census. And I don't know why that correlation exists in that way, because um, I I don't think there's data to point out, like, is it because um, that group doesn't have equal rights fully in some places? Is it because of fear of discrimination at work because the laws just recently changed to protect most of that? I I couldn't tell you because there's not data to tell me to tell you. But I want you to really think about that, especially if you identify as an out worker, um, because I'll get on my soapbox for a little bit. Uh, I want to be really clear about the fact that no one will protect your wage. If you want to get paid the industry standard, if you want to demand that you be treated equally in pay and you want to do all that, you have to do it. A company will never do it for you. No one will ever do it for you. No rights organization will really do it for you individually. They'll definitely help you. But everything you hear about wage, equal pay, fairness, all that stuff is on the burden of the worker to do. And I just want to really drive that home. If you're pissed off that women make less than men, you have to be the person to pave the way to close the gap. Because while the government says that they're like trying to change that and like maybe good efforts are going forth, it's not going to happen fast enough for what we need to live. And livable wages are a big hot topic these days. And I just want you to keep that in mind. No one is going to do this for you. And people do not get paid more unless they ask to be. There's there might be something at work that's like a structure where it's like, oh, you get like a merit increase every year, maybe if the company does well or, oh, you get a bonus, this, that. Those are just perks to the job. That is not encompassing of, you know, 
the spirit of keeping wages equal. That is your responsibility. So if you're bitter about not being paid enough and you never asked to be paid enough, you just need to buck up and ask. You can't be bitching about not getting paid enough if you've never asked for more. Because I think that uh, distinguishing factor is what makes people frustrated at their job. And you can't be frustrated if you didn't ask for it. Now, if you asked for it and you didn't get it and you're not on a path to get there and there's no like working your way up to your goal, absolutely bitch about it. Be frustrated. Go find a different position. But if you didn't even bother to do that, you have to remember that you're working for someone. They're not working for you. And I think that is um, that's something that I think a lot of colleges really miss in teaching people, even in business school. I have a minor in general business, so I went to business school. It was business school light. Um, but like there was never a discussion about any of that stuff, not even in my personal finance classes or my accounting classes. It's always how do you get the most out of everybody for the least amount, which is literally how business works. So I tell you all of that to kind of get your mindset in knowing what your worth is. There's a lot to consider in that. There's the variable of where you work. There's the variable of what the industry standard is. And then there's the variable of census data within the industry that you're working in. And I'll make all of that information available on the Patreon under this post if you want to kind of read more into it. So that covers the knowing your worth section of this. So the next, oh, excuse me. So the next is building your case. So like I just said, companies don't work for you. You work for them or clients or things of that nature. So you have to build a fair case as to why you're asking for more. And I touched on that a little bit. Um, You do not ever want to walk into a room with your leader or boss and say, gimme, 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 me, me, me. That's not how a company views teamwork. And when you do creative work, it's teamwork. You are doing work for a business objective or you're doing work for like a purpose, whether it's click-throughs or organic growth on um, social media or getting a photo that is a lifestyle uh, enticement to get people to like its aesthetic, to investigate it further. Like there's a purpose to the creative work that we do in the creative industry to grow it. Um, And that's where that line of like uh, creativity, artist, design, all kind of intersect and separate. And we'll have a whole podcast kind of investigating that more abstract thought. But I say all of that to say that I think our industry is really subjective a lot, as most creative industries are. And so when you build your case, the best things you can bring to your boss is the implementations you've come up with the creative solutions you've come up with. So maybe you learned some new design software to fill a need that your team had, like motion graphics. Maybe no one on your team had a motion graphics person around and you're the person doing all the GIFs for Instagram stickers and you're building Instagram filters and they're getting people more engaged with your content, which is growing organic stuff on social media, which is achieving a business goal. So like if you can kind of illustrate something like that, 
or maybe you learned a new UI program or you kept up with the trend and your um, knowledge and implementation of maybe process, maybe you've looped everybody into a process in meetings to make sure you're achieving, yada, yada, yada. You need to bring these businessy, actionable things that you're doing to your leader after you've done your research to make your case. Hey, my being here is valuable in this way. When I started here and was paid at this rate, I was doing these things. And since then, I've implemented XYZ things, which has helped in the overall business in this way. And I would like to see a whatever increase to this pay. And I think that that's fair. What do you think? That's kind of the the way you want this to work. And if some of this is like just you have no idea what I'm saying because you haven't worked quite yet, it's something to keep in mind to when you do get to your job. Keep track of these things. Get to know the marketing people because you want to ask them for the statistics and the data. Hey, how did that project go? Hey, how did that email go? Did this design help people? Hey, like, you know... Do you think the colors of the buttons matter? Did people click on it more because it was green instead of red? You know, like things like this are are ways you can get these figures and you can just ask for them. Like that's totally appropriate to ask people how your project did. Um, and so when you build that case, you want to walk in there with all of that information. So you want to know how you can illustrate your worth to your boss And you want to know what your current worth monetarily is and what it should be and what you want. And so um, that's kind of how you start to really, really begin this. And there are actually a couple of times in the year that are a good point to check in. And that's annual performance reviews. So if you're a full-time employee, this administrative gobbledygook happens where you set goals You and your manager have to check in on them at a predetermined amount of time and checkpoints in the year. And essentially what you do in that conversation is is walk through your work performance in general. And if it's positive throughout the whole conversation, that's great. You want to really uh, hype yourself up there and that's an excellent time to bring up the fact that you are interested in a promotion or a raise and have a conversation framed in a way where you're like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I would like. How can I get here? What would you like to see from me so that I can get here? And then that way they know that you're thinking about it and they can set it up or they can work with other leadership partners they might have to to get there to make sure it's in the budget and make sure it's all kosher and all of that stuff. Or after completing a really important project is a really good time to check in as well. Let's say you're being the lead on this big thing and you have to loop in a couple other departments in your company you don't normally talk to and you all have to partner and achieve this thing and you are pretty in front of everyone about it and then it kicks off and it's successful. That's another great time to pull your leader aside and go, hey, you know, we just achieved this thing. The numbers came in, this and this and this and worked. I'm interested in, you know, pursuing this. What do you want to see from me? Is this helpful for blah, blah, blah? Like just, it's it's just an ongoing conversation. 
And as you get deeper into the industry and working for clients and working for companies, you're going to find communication is the key. My boss says this every day all the time. Communication is the key. (laughs) Communicate. The clearer you can be in communication, the better everyone's expectations will be and the happier everyone will be with what is moving forward in the process. So all of those are super great. And when you are actually having the conversation about the raise, it's very important to just be clear and be specific. I want this number. I want this title. This is how I think this will help getting here. But, 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 like you have to be specific. You cannot be wishy-washy because you are the one asking. No one went to you and went, well, what do you want to be paid? What do you want this? You know what you want. And when you walk in there with a number, my rule of thumb is to have three numbers in mind. The first number is have the highest number you don't think you'll get, but you would love to, that the purpose of this number is to have them walk you down, negotiate you down to the number you actually want. So this is not a real life example, but let's just throw some numbers out there. Let's say I'm paid $50 and I want to be paid... $58. $58. So I want to ask for $62 for them to walk me down to maybe 58, 57, which is the number I want. And then you should have your bottom number, which is 55, I'm going to say. That's, I'm just picking this. If they don't reach you at 55 from 50, then you'll be disappointed. But if you get anything above 55, you'll be excited when you ask for 62. Not expecting to get 62, but boy, would that be great. So that's kind of what I mean. You want your negotiating number to max out. You want your actual number and you want your bottom number, which should be above your actual pay. (laughs) And then that way you should have that bottom number because... If your company won't even give you to that bottom number in your mind that you've reevaluated your value to your position with your experience and you've shown everyone why, if they won't meet you at your minimum number, at that point, if it's if you're so inclined, it is totally appropriate to start looking for other jobs that will meet you at your original number. Because also in the design industry, that is where you get the most pay bumps that are the largest. I've watched a lot of people around me get $20,000 more a year because they just switched companies for the position. Because when they went to ask for a raise, they didn't get the number that they wanted. They didn't get their basement number, as I say. They, they just got nowhere near close to what they wanted. And maybe the plan was never put in place. Maybe the plan was going to take too long. Whatever you decide, it's up to you. And it's how you feel about it. Because honestly, when you're talking about money and demonstrating your worth to companies, this is where I think a lot of creatives get like really bogged down and defeated. And I hear a lot of creatives say to me, oh, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. And I think it's because of a mixture of how the work gets done and where the work is being done and not about hating design. Because nothing discourages me more or makes me more sad than hearing someone in the creative industry going, I don't think I want to do this. When you know that they're a tried and true creative and they just say that they don't want to do it because like the environment's bumming them out. 
And I don't want to see them go into a profession where they don't even get to try to be passionate about something and like trying to do what what gave them joy to do every day in the workforce, whether that is owning your own business, being in a company for stability or, you know, being a freelancer and just choosing jobs you want to do. It sucks when you hear creatives just like burn out and get bummed out and they're just like eating shit all the time. They're not paid a wage that makes their life reasonable to live. They're not living where they like to live. They're not doing the kind of work that sparks interest in them every day. And I think it's because of these kinds of conversations and the availability of the resources for these things. And so that's why I think it's super important to try to get involved in the job that you're doing a little outside of the the creativity part of it. And also some people are just so not interested in all of that. But when it comes to your money, most people are interested in that. And, you know, I negotiated myself up to being one of the top paid designers in my friend group, at least that I know. But keeping in mind, I live in Chicago, which has a higher rate of living. So I'm really probably on par with everybody else. But like, You need to take an interest in this and you need to take some courage to get going on asking for a raise because I think if you've worked anywhere for a year or longer and you haven't seen one, you should be having that discussion. And again, you don't get raises unless you ask for them. And so when you go in and ask for that, I know it can be like super scary, but like just, just remember, if they say no, That's literally the worst that can happen. You're still going to get your paycheck. You're still going to have your job. You're still going to work with these people. No one's going to think you're a dick bag. Like, it's okay. You can ask for a raise and completely not get one. The company, if they say no, they're done thinking about it. But if they say no to you and that makes you feel some kind of way, you get to decide what you do next. The company doesn't own you. The company doesn't own your life. The only thing it may be offering you is stability. And if they're not giving you this raise, maybe that stability is compromised, you know? So try to shake out the scaries if you can. It's easier said than done. But when you go into this conversation with your leader, I'm hoping you already have a pretty good rapport with your leader and your boss anyway, because for creatives, we're a little more casual, you know, and just Be confident when you start that conversation. You've done the research. You know what the numbers you want. You have all the information. You will not get caught off guard. It's all in your mind. You've written it down. You've talked to people. You've gathered your case. Like you're ready. You know. And so be confident. Express gratitude. You're not being selfish. You're not going gimme, gimme, gimme. You're really just bridging a gap. You're trying to meet in the middle and you're checking in on on what you're doing at work and how you're doing at work. And you're going to be expressing enthusiasm about it. Hey, I want this raise. Here's what I think. What do you think? Can we work with this? If it's a flat no, if it's a there's no time or money in the budget for this, you can always go, okay, well, I would be like really excited to find a way to get here. Can we come up with a plan to get here and maybe revisit this conversation later after uh, we've achieved some things in the plan we come up with? That shows you're excited. You're engaged in your job. Creative leaders, business leaders, 
they love that stuff. They love when people are engaged in their job because also they're not like dumb. They're regular people. They know people work for money, you know? So, you know, it's a mixture of company culture and money and, and what the business can swing. And, you know, if you, if you've done all your research and you can have this very human conversation about it, but be a professional and be confident and not be wishy-washy, not be walked all over, you should be in a really good spot to have this discussion and get what you want. And honestly, a lot of people are super scared to do that because I think they just can't get past the fact like, well, what if they say no? What if they say no? Again, you still have your job. So those are kind of the big main ways you can kind of expect that to go. Um, When a negotiation happens, just to kind of give you a clue in, um, when you ask your boss for a raise, they have to go to HR to figure that out. And HR looks at like the budget and blah, blah, blah. And there's like approved amounts, which is also why if you just ask for some money, there's usually some floating around for these things. And it's why I would be shocked if more often than not you were told no. But um, that's what happens. So your boss goes to HR. HR comes back to your boss. And all of these things are written down. You should have to sign a new letter of like what you're paid every year and blah, blah, blah. It's a very like administrative process. But that's what you can expect. And it's okay for it to take a couple days. If you're going to ask for a raise and the negotiation process is going to kick in, like it's not outrageous to kind of expect that whole work week to kind of be bringing that up and going back and forth and making sure that's what you want. And I also want you to keep in mind that raises don't have to be entirely monetary. They can be in perks. You could ask, well, okay, if you're not going to give me my extra $8, can you give me um, an extra paid day off instead? If you're not going to give me a dollar amount, can I get more in this benefit this way? And then that way, you know, if you don't get an extra couple of bucks every month, you can maybe get an extra day off every month. These are the things you can use to negotiate within the means of what's possible for you. And so I just want you to be prepared to compromise, set yourself up for the best compromise possible, and just... Try not to be so scary about it and do your homework and you'll know what's more natural to you. And quite honestly, when you do this once, it gets easier every time. And then you'll you'll get better at asking like, okay, I want to get promoted to this title. Like, what is it you would like to see for me to get here? This is what I would like to do. This is what I enjoy doing. Here's what I have illustrated that's I think shows I'm capable of being very good at this, blah, blah, blah. Once you kind of start framing that stuff in your mind, it's a lot easier to have these discussions because I think what makes these discussions scary for people is they don't really know how to prepare for it and they don't know how to talk like this. And talking about what you do is difficult, especially for creatives. And then you throw money in there and like business stuff you don't understand. Of course, it's super scary. But when you practice and you research and you decide you're going to do this, you just commit to it. And we're all really good at committing to ideas. It's also why we're really successful creatives. Whether it's monetarily or creatively, we, you practice at it. We're not perfect right out the gate, you know? So um, I just want you to know that's kind of how you can go through that. And if they do say no, at least you asked, you know? And sometimes your boss 
has their hands totally tied. It's really not up to your boss if you get a raise. They're just the one who's going to advocate for you to get it within all the other processes in the workplace. So either way, if you don't get the raise, your boss knows you asked and they know that you did your research and they know that you know what you're worth. And at the very least, you know, they can see that you're thinking in these terms and that's not a bad thing either. So really, when you ask for a raise, there is no losing, you know, it's just scary. That's literally the only like blockade in your ways that it's probably scary and intimidating but everything else is just fine and so that's really how asking for a raise in the workforce kind of works and the reason I really focused on in-house is when you look at the design census I mentioned before um, that is the number one place most creatives are working currently So it's probably the most reasonable expectation if you're just starting out in the creative industry or you're going to pivot into it. It's the most likely outcome for where you will probably end up. And um, so I think that's why it was super important to focus on that. But if you remember also, you might have been placed there by a temp agency or a temp uh, creative agency where, as a reminder, if you didn't listen to that podcast, which you really should, Um, essentially you can be contracted out by agencies to companies to do various kinds of work. Makeup artists do this, photographers do this, graphic designers do this, I've done this. Um, And so what's really nice about that is you usually are working with a talent agent who's placing you into all these different companies. And what's super dope about that is if you want to change your rate with the company that you're contracting with, pretty much at any time, you're going to go through the same sorts of steps. You're probably not going to ask the full-time people that you work with what they make because it's not relevant to the way you are contracted. Because depending on your contract terms, you might be paying, you might be being paid way more, but it's because you're going to owe 30% on your income tax or you're being paid more from the company in general because a portion of that is going to your agent while you're getting the rest of it. So the way the money's broken up is a little bit different, which is why you probably wouldn't talk to a full-time person about what they make as you are the contractor. But you can talk to your agent about it. And what's super cool about it is you don't even have to bring it up to anybody but your agent. Your agent is there to go negotiate your rate with the company for you. All you have to do is make a case to bring to your agent so that they have the case to bring to the company. So you would still do the I've done XYZ, I've gone outside of my title this way and that way. And this is why I think I should be paid more for this contract work because my value is more than that from when I started contracting here. And you can even say too to your agent, I'm open to a full-time position with this company or this company is going to have to pay me more in my contract or I'm going to go contract somewhere else when the terms of this contract agreement is up. And so that's super nice because it makes the conversation way less scary. And to be quite frank, the first time I really negotiated my contract ever was like with an agent. And it was really helpful to just be really candid to be like, I don't really know how to do this. What do you need for me to get to this number? And then, you know, you can help them work on that negotiation from there. 
And another point I do want to bring up, this is all over the design census, is again, the LGBTQIA community. Um, I was just talking to somebody about this, but still because the discrimination laws are all over the place, sometimes they're enacted, sometimes they're taken away, sometimes they're put back. It really honestly depends on the administration running the government where that stands right now. Um, A lot of queer people and out people are nervous about that because it, depending on the state of your discrimination laws, companies can kind of treat you however you, however they see fit and, and you don't always know who you're talking to. And so that is absolutely a factor in why pay gaps are existing in the workforce because marginalized people are very nervous to ask for more because if your rights aren't equal, then you're already feeling like, well, I, sh- I shouldn't, like beggars can't be choosers right here. Like I don't even have equal rights. I should be excited. I even have like a job like this. And that plays into social stigma. We all either participate in or watch or affect us. And that absolutely has to do with pay. And I don't think people really talk about that a lot. And a lot of people around me have kind of discussed this. And it's a perspective I think is lost on a lot of um, veteran workers and a perspective that is lost on a lot of straight workers who I don't identify as gender fluid, non-binary, transgendered, you know, gay, lesbian, all that stuff. Uh, The world is different for those kinds of people. And if you are the status quo, meaning a cis straight person, you are, you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth and you are attracted to opposite gender of you, you don't have this perspective because it's just not your life. Your life hasn't been affected by discrimination in that way necessarily and things like that. And pay is a big part of that. And so agents playing a role in negotiating your rates for you has made a lot of um, queer people more comfortable asking for more. And actually some cool news is in recent developments, meaning in the last few months, some um, gay workers are being paid more than straight workers. Why that is, I'm not sure. I do have an article I can share with you about it. But like when we're talking and we're thinking about pay, all of these factors are at play, you know? And I think in also the wake of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, companies are being a lot more aware of diversity. Some of them, I think, are performing. But I think a lot of them are genuinely trying. And because they've never had to figure this out and like harassment laws in general haven't existed for more than 30 years, just for some perspective, like women in the 80s, if their bosses that were men harassed them or earlier, like nothing would be done. And so I'm not saying that that's what's happening now, but I am saying these changes are really fast comparatively. And you have a huge range of people in the workforce. You you have people who are 50 and 60 and you have people who are like 30 and 40. And, you know, you have these ranges of people who've lived in completely different working environments. And everybody's perspective is different because chi- times change really fast. And times changing affect accessibility for people to money and to the ability to talk about money and for the ability to learn about money. And so all of this is super relevant because 
if you're a leader that happens to be listening to this for some reason, some workers are really scared to have this discussion because of all of these factors, you know? And if, if we're all going to really have the inclusivity talk, we all need to be aware of what federal discrimination laws are actually saying when they're changing, what people in the place that you live are saying about people like that, because it absolutely affects people's accessibility to livable wages. And if you are someone who is worried about all of those things, I want you to know that I'm hopeful that as people my age and younger rise into managerial and leadership modes, modes, (laughs) positions into the future, that this worry will go away. And I hope it's not the biggest worry. And I hope I didn't create a worry for you. I don't know if you've even thought about this, but I I just want you to know when you are choosing where you want to work, finding these pieces of the work culture and it's appropriate to ask this in interviews like what is it like to work here the answer to that question you can be very particular about if these things factor to you because if you're comfortable at your work you have more access to promotions and raises than if you're uncomfortable at work and at this point There is absolutely no reason to be uncomfortable at work and companies who make people like this uncomfortable at work need to change quickly or will die. I'm just going to say it. They will die. If you don't if you don't flip with the the social justice movement right now, you are being old and stubborn. And that's unfortunate because as workers, we don't need to be thankful anymore that we just have a job. And I know that's a pretty bold thing to say when we are at the highest unemployment rate right now, we're staring down the barrel of a recession. But I think as creatives specifically, if we hold our job to a standard, we hold ourselves in our own creativity, we're going to be a lot happier. This is going to be a lot more lucrative for us. We're going to get the titles and the promotions and the responsibility we want to move forward and ultimately move our industry forward. Because if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, um, you know, uh, lessons, I guess I'll call these, you, you already have this mind and you're starting to get there, you know. So that's like my big soapbox. I just, I remember feeling like, oh, I should just take what I can get. Oh, I'm just, I'm just lucky I get to be in Photoshop all day. Like, this is the best I can do. Like, I remember feeling like that and having companies make me feel like that. And that's bullshit. I'm just gonna say it. You can have a high standard. If someone's like being down on you for having that, like, that's dumb. It's your life. It's your time. You're spending 40 hours plus a week doing this. You should like it and be comfortable. (laughs) So, um, I just want to make sure that that is said because nobody says it. So I'll say it. Um, and I want you to take a look at all these resources and get like a feel of like what the workforce is like, where people are working, how much they're making, how they identify, uh, where they work, uh, what part of the country they're in, what range is available, all that stuff. Um, so that's kind of the end of this thought. Um, (laughs) this is one of my longer podcasts. I think I went on a couple of like rants, but I, I really just truly, I needed to say it out loud because I wish someone had said that out loud when I was listening for it or asking for it. 
again, I've asked my professors in college all these questions and I just wanted someone to say all of this to me and nobody did. So I want to do it. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's the end of this. Um, check out, (laughs) check out my Patreon. It's the creative mentor on Patreon. All these links will be there. Um, some of the premium content that I make since we're at like 43 minutes, I'll try to make this quick. Um, I have a $2 tier where, uh, you get the podcast early and you get access to like the little Patreon support group we're building here. So we can talk more about this. This is also where I think a lot of other people's experience will be helpful. Um, depending on your life experience, you know, where you come from, all that stuff, your work experience. I think this would be a really interesting discussion to continue over there. Um, and then I have a $7 tier where if you don't want to keep repeating my podcasts over and over to refine information, um, I make these little monthly workbooks for you as a PDF. And at the end of every month, I release them. This is also a big reason why my months are themed. So the like chapter of the PDF comes out. And hopefully as you kind of continue along through the duration of this program, you kind of have like a whole book at the end if this is helpful to you. It just reiterates everything so that you don't have to keep going back to pluck out the research. I just put it in one place for you as a digital download. And then I have a $12 tier, which is like kind of a sticker club thing. It's all the other perks. But if you like the work that I also do personally, because I am a creative, I do make things. I'll send them to you every month and it can be a fun like pen pal thing. And then my other tier is the $20 tier where we are uh, more one-on-one. You get an exclusive email address to reach me. You can send me your resume. You can send me your portfolio and I can review it and help you out more one-on-one there. And we can also connect on LinkedIn. I'm surprised I haven't done a whole spiel about LinkedIn yet, but I think the creatives uh, really miss out on LinkedIn. So um, hang out there. Check it out. Be on there. Uh, It's great. Um, It's a great way to connect with people who don't know how you like do creative industry stuff and connect with people who don't know what you do to kind of bridge the gap. I like it. So uh that's everything I've got for you today this is the longest one I think I've done um but it's really rooted in knowing your worth proving your case and keeping in mind that you need to have your boundaries and you need to remember you are speaking to a company and companies deal in dollars and cents and not um, love and support And if you can just find a way to navigate that, I think you'll be golden. And uh, let me know if you have any questions and I'll do my best to help you out. So have fun. Talk to you next week. (laughs) Goodbye.